a committed approach to excellence in fitness is an individual desire to display a knack for internal motivation. It's an admission that you're willing to make an investment in your most profitable and prized commodity, yourself. Because after all, if you don't make a premium and primetime investment in your physical well-being, then any intellectual desires you have will be rendered mute. One of the best things that you can do for your overall well-being is to be selfish. Because at the end of the day, if you make yourself a priority, you can dispense more emotional and physical energy on helping your fellow man or woman. According to my friends over at USA Today, the popularity of bodybuilding or weightlifting and the searches for those corresponding apps has skyrocketed since the conclusion of the onset of the pandemic. With the popularity of those searches growing at approximately 190% year over year, according to Google Trends data. Among the most popular of exercises which people are seeking out include squats, dumbbells, and deadlifts. My friend Justin Groff is a natural bodybuilder and trained competitor with one main obsession, fitness and personal development. He's driven to help people strengthen their bodies and also their minds by giving them the mental software necessary to overcome challenges, whether they be mental or physical. And he joined me this week to tell me more. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Justin, if you're ready, my friend, I'm excited to be with you uh, this afternoon to talk all, all about your uh, fitness journey and why you value, value fitness overall. Great to see you today, buddy, and thank you for a few minutes. You got it, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. Now, I know that you've been in the competitive bodybuilding and fitness space since about 2005, my friend, and you really take a, a unique approach to valuing fitness. So I'm wondering if we can begin by you telling me you, your backstory, my friend, and what makes you so fabulous. Yeah, so uh, I got started first uh, with um, 
basically an identity issue. And I always, I would talk about this at length on, on different podcasts. And so if you've, if this is a review for you and you've heard it before, I, I apologize uh, in terms of your audience, but my identity issue started way back in high school, just trying to find my footing in life, trying to find what I was supposed to do. And, and, and really I had these image issues with the way that I looked and that basically ended up making me starve myself and and do lots of cardio and to get skinny. I wanted to get skinnier because I felt like I was a little bit overweight. And that led to me just getting too skinny and I was clinically deemed anorexic. And uh, my lowest point, I was about 136 pounds. And for reference for your audience, I'm 5'11". So that's, that's fairly small for a guy that's 5'11". Anyways, I ended up telling my family, look, I need help. I'm not gonna, I, I can see myself going down a rabbit hole here with this and I need help. I need, you know, intervention. And they quickly uh, got me to a dietitian. I was able to get on a, a healthy eating plan and also see my, my mother's personal trainer at the time. And that kind of led in my journey in terms of fitness. And then my body weight went the opposite direction. I started gaining lean mass. I started looking better in my body. I started developing more of a confidence within myself. And I and I found fitness as a means of placement in my life. And then, you know, it didn't take long before people in the gym started asking me, hey, Justin, what's that exercise you're doing for? What's that target? Or, hey, can you help me with my form on this workout or this exercise? And I loved, I just felt, I just really quickly identified that I love pouring into people when it came to fitness and telling people what worked for me and what doesn't work, et cetera. And so that pouring in aspect, you know, just, I was able to find identity through that. And so I started helping people through the means of personal training and, you know, the personal training was, was running in parallel with me, competitive bodybuilding. I started competitive bodybuilding at that point in time as well. And just, it all ended up leading to a business. And, you know, today I help people through in-person training and online training, uh, coaching for not only building a body and transforming their physique, but also transforming their internal software as well through mindset, discipline, et cetera. So that's in a nutshell how I got started and where I'm at today. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm curious to ask you about the idea of, commitment and before I ask you the the question I'm gonna give you a little bit of a backstory about myself so uh, Justin I place a unique value on fitness my friend because I was born with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegia of cerebral palsy and I actually found out at the age of nine that I wouldn't be able to walk uh, for the rest of my life without the assistance of a walker and a wheelchair. So, but I value fitness, buddy, because I uh, lift weights every day. I go swimming, and I uh, challenge myself to go walking at least ten minutes a day. So, how do you think we can use fitness as a vehicle for resilience? Well, I I know that when you partake in any kind of resistance training program whether it be with weights or, or even just adopting a style of, of physical fitness in terms of rock climbing, surfing, kayaking, whatever the case may be, you, where you're moving your body against resistance, that always is going to translate into a, a more stronger, formidable mindset 
in terms of its its ability to become callous towards the things that are hard because everything that resistance is is hard i mean just the name resistance of itself in and of itself isn't something that is comfortable and so to to self or willingly impose resistance on the body it takes somewhat of a stronger mental capacity to endure that resistance and then also keep doing it every single day and then you know we know that if we, if we do something every single day that builds onto us and builds us better that we start to slowly develop somewhat of an affinity for it and then because obviously we see the the physical representation culminate we we see what it does to us internally and we like those things because it's building a competency in us and that's going to deliver confidence in the long run and so every person wants to be confident Every person wants to love the skin that they're in. Every person wants to feel like they're worth something and they're of utility. So these things, the avenues of fitness help people to see that. And that's something that's such a low barrier to entry and anybody could take part in right now if they're feeling like they're lost in life or feeling like they're not worth anything or feeling like they're not useful for anything. Start picking up a physical fitness plan a program start adopt something that causes you to have to put yourself through things that are of resistance every day because that in turn will make you a stronger more formidable version of who you once were and that will lend itself to you feeling more useful not only for yourself but for others around you yeah and just how do you think you can use the mindset that you have to have have to be a competitive bodybuilder to be a successful in your personal life my friends how do you think those two things intersect well i i think that kind of going back on what i just spoke about with in terms of developing competence when you develop competence in doing something that's hard you find a utility that you didn't know you had and that develops confidence so when you have this confidence you walk with more of an upright posture your energy is more is more illuminating more people want to be around you because you feel good about yourself and it transmutes to everybody and everything around you and so because of that you end up going or rather accruing opportunities that you probably wouldn't have otherwise and other people want to be a part of whatever you're doing because they see that you have this glow about you you have this confidence about you and like i said in the in, in the last question you asked everybody wants to have confidence everybody wants to feel like they're worth something and so that's how we'll translate into you doing something of of uh of bodybuilding or physical fitness of of any descent i mean that's how the mindset will translate yeah and just so let's talk about the mental software you know one of the biggest things that you you help people with is coming up with a, a personal development strategy that gives them the mental software to be successful so i'm wondering if you can dive into that form yeah sure so everybody is a little bit different in terms of not only one their background but traumas that they've dealt with uh different different let's say vices that they're holding on to that they should otherwise be releasing and so it's it's a subjective matter when i deal with when i work with somebody in terms of the rest of the in terms of carving out the path for their life in terms of how they're going to be more evolved and improve in multiple facets so it's definitely subjective i'll tell you that but 
at the same time, I mean, just to give you a general overview of most people, most people have problems with, let's say, uh, alcoholic substances, um, ex external vices like uh, like delving into porn, uh, sex. They have vices with women. They have vices with uh, women have vices with promiscuity. You know, these things, I call them vices because they're quick things that they turn to instead of being productive and going the opposite avenue. And so when you can show people, one, where they're messing up and where they should be better, and then you lay out a, a I don't want to call it a blueprint, but you lay out a path in, in, in regards to making or ameliorating that situation, and they see that they can do these things, it builds that confidence in them. And then they want to keep getting more of that. It's just the it's just the brain's natural pathway. It wants to continuously do what it what it's what serves them. So if you can replace the hedonistic desires and and or vices with things that are productive and serve you, then you'll naturally want to gravitate towards that path. But most of the time, people don't see how it serves them because they're so quick and or and or say weak to turn to the vices instead for quick relaxation or for a quick escape. And so when you can have them choose the productive escape instead of the, instead of the, the pleasurable escape, you can quickly turn them to a better person. It's going to take a lot of work on their end. It's going to take time. And again, it's very, it's much more comprehensive than I just laid out. I just gave you kind of a general overview, but it's, a, you know, it's very subjective within the person. But that's how we ameliorate that. Yeah, and one of the things you say also, Justin, is it's important to be self selfish in terms of putting ourselves first. And you know, you know, I'll equate that to what I tell people all the time. You know, people always want to reach a certain level of expectations, Justin. But I always tell them if you can't uh, uh, rise to the level of your own sort of expectations in life, it's hard to pour anybody else's foundation. So talk to me about the importance of being selfish and what that means to you. Yeah, so being selfish basically translates into you having self-respect. And so one of the biggest ways to accrue self-respect is to treat your body right in terms of giving it the nutrients that it needs to thrive and also physically moving. You know, there's a lot of physiological processes that take place and cognitive processes that take place and or let's say become refined when you move and when you exercise whether it be through just walking running climbing swimming and or resistance exercise with weights or cables the thing is is that when somebody truly respects themselves it's going to take them being selfish but they have to be selfish selfish in order to be selfless and that's the one thing that people don't understand. And they actually, they actually, they actually twist up a little bit and they put one before the other and they put selfless before selfish yourself. They always tell you to put the air over yourself first so you can help the people around you. If you can't put the air on yourself, you can help the people around you. So the point is do the things that are requisite of you being a better person so you can in turn not only give your best to yourself, but give your best to everybody around you and help people around you in the most proficient and profound way.
Yeah, and to that point, Jester, what do you think it means to have a consistency of performance? Consistency of performance is nothing more than just discipline. So if somebody understands the compound effect of doing something for, a, for an extended period of time, they understand that that's showing up every day, that's being consistent. They know that what's going to what's gonna come of that is going to be something of a transcendence of their own current position right now. And so in order to do, in order to be anything of magnitude, you have to do something for an extended period of time. And that is nothing more than discipline. It's not motivation. And a lot of people misconstrue the two things. Motivation is something that is just a moment of feeling. It's just a feeling. But discipline is an action. And discipline is something of a, a structured ordinance to your life. And to do something consistently is going to pay off. But that's only going to come if you're disciplined in the nature. And that, and that means you have to become disciplined in order to do whatever you need to do. But... Sometimes it doesn't look good in the beginning and that might not be something that you, it might be something that isn't, isn't palatable for you to receive in the beginning, but ultimately it's something that's going to help you in the long run and you do it for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm curious to ask you about, you know, your definition of equitable prosperity. What do you think it's going to take from a, societal perspective to give everyone an equal shot at prosperity if they want it. What, what's your definition of that, my friend? Well, I don't believe in equality. I believe in equity. And what that translates to is giving every individual the tools that they need to prosper. And so that's going to look different for every individual. I wouldn't say give everybody the same because not everybody is the same. So what happens is when you give everybody the same, let's say the same same size footstool to stand up on to look, peer over the fence, there's still going to be people that are going to come up short and won't be able to peer over the fence. You know, the taller person standing on a footstool is going to see widely over the fence, but somebody who's maybe three feet tall standing on a one foot stool is not going to be able to see over a six foot fence still. So it doesn't equate to, if we're talking about that illustration, it doesn't equate to having the same equality for everybody in the world to receive. What makes more sense is handling people at the subjective level and giving them the tools that they need for them to be able to see clearly and see what they should be doing in life. And that, that just takes a little bit more time, though. But that just means we need more coaches. We need more people that are very passionate about the person and not the masses only. Yeah, Justin, I, I know that you host a podcast, and I'm going to ask you about it in just a second. But I'm also curious to get your thoughts on the importance of mentorship, because, because I know that mentoring people is important to you. So what uh, so, sort of value or priority did you place on mentorship? Yeah, so it, I offer mentorships for trainers and I uh, personal trainers because that's what I am. Um, I believe in mentorship per the niche per, per the niche avenue of that of that person in terms of where they want to go in life, what they want to do. I think there are people that are obviously successful and profitable in that niche space that they're in, and they should probably look up to what they're doing and not follow it exactly, but be able to uh, acquire 
what worked for them and what didn't work for them and be able to merge it into that person's life and fit it in the unique style that it fits them best or apply it rather in the unique style that it fits them best. So I think that in that regard, mentorship is something that is good for most people and, and should almost be a prerequisite in some cases, but that's what I believe for mentorship. You need a mentor to figure things out in life. No, you don't. You could do this on your own and you could become a mentor to somebody else. It's going to take a lot of trial and error, but sometimes that's the best thing to go through in order for you to be strong and stand with authority and conviction in your space. So mentorship is very, it's very, it's very, I would say it's very, uh, uh, serving to the person, but it's not, it's not an, a necessity, but I also think that if people want to be their best, it, it means it might mean that they learn from multiple people that are in the space that they're in that are successful and they can show them what worked and what didn't work, et cetera. So, I mean, I'm for both sides, but I think that mentorship just lends a more helping hand for the person that's trying to get, trying to get started in that space. Absolutely. And address it. I know that you're the host of the straight from the chest podcast, my friend. So tell me about the show and its mission. What is it, what is it all about? My friend. Yeah, so uh, we have a, a podcast called Straight from the Chest, and that's on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and it's a personal development, self-improvement podcast in short. Uh, we talk about all things that are personal development oriented, improving the person, much like we're talking about right now. Um, you know, we're talking about we're talking about it on this podcast kind of in a succinct fashion, but it's generally around the same type of core principles that we've that we've kind of uh, glossed over in this podcast with regards to discipline, regards to structure, uh, giving people tools to make them a better person in terms of their relationship, familially and business-wise. So, and not only that, but obviously in their personal journey, uh, I would say first and foremost. And that's that's really what the podcast is centered around. And, and we just go into deep dives in regards to uh, the message with based on experiential data that I've been in part of, a part of or uh, things that I've experienced on the outside with, with terms of relationships or, or just endeavors of growth that are meaningful to people to be able to be their best, to be their best form. Yeah. And for you, my friend, what, what is your definition of being your best man? What does that definition mean to you? You have to become the man or woman that you would admire every day. So that looks different for a lot of people, but I just would, I would just kind of give a, a blanket. I would give a blanket statement as to that. And that being, you have to become the man or woman that you would look up to and or admire. Yeah. And you also say to that point, my friend, that it's important not to audit ourselves against other people when we go through our own individual fitness journey. So what does it, what does it mean to, you to give yourself an, an effective fitness audit. What do you think that means to you? To give yourself an effective fitness audit? Yeah, what does that mean to you? Um, so I think it means to be real and truthful with yourself. If you're not, if you're not physically fit, if you're not healthy, which is going to come as a typically as a byproduct of you being physically fit. But if you're not physically fit in terms of you know, a fairly medium to low 
body fat percentage and you're not carrying around a little bit extra muscle tissue, I think that you need to be truthful with yourself and realize that you're not your best physical representation. And it's very, very tough to be your best internally if you're not your best physical. And I only say that because understandingly, we know, like I know personally that I am, if I were, let's say 50 pounds overweight, I would feel very sluggish. I probably foggy headed uh, in terms of my cognitive ability. I would, I would, I would be definitely less confident in my, in my walk, in my posture. And that would affect me relationally. That would affect me societally. And that would affect my opportunities in life. And I just think that moreover, being the physical representation, if you're not after that, fine, but you should be your best internal representation as well. And that is going to obviously by extension manifest on the outside as well. If you take care of the internal. So if you eat right and you just maybe move regularly, like walk and stuff like that, but you eat right and you eat in a, in a caloric maintenance or deficit, you're, and you eat whole nutritious foods, unprocessed foods, you're going to be a better internal representation, which by extension is going to lead you to having a better physical representation. And so the both comp, both of them complement each other and they kind of work in tandem. And I, it's, I just, to go back to your, your question, I just think that's what it means to be your, to give yourself an internal physical or fitness audit is to understand where you're not physically and, and obviously circumvent that. Yeah, and one of the things, buddy, uh, doing my research on you that I respect about you, buddy, is that you you talk to people with an authentic lens while also trying to motivate them to be their best. So what does that mean to leave, leave your life with a, sort of an authentic view on, on life? And what, is, what does it mean to you? To not lie to people when you work with them because I know it's important to you. You know, I think that first for me to be authentic to somebody in my in my speech, I need to be authentic with myself. And I need that means I need to be myself. And I think more people are being different iterations of who they are, and they're trying to become someone else that they maybe look up to. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. It's because they're trying to emulate somebody that they're not. And because of that, they can't live or act authentically. And therefore, they can't give authentically to anybody. So first things first, they have to figure out who they are. They have to figure out why they're here on this earth. They have to figure out what they're good at in life. And they have to live into that. They have to continuously delve into what that looks like and practice it every single day and absolve themselves of what anybody else is doing because that's not who they are and that's not why they were put on this earth they were put on this earth to be who they are god made them uniquely and authentic in their own way how they communicate how they parse out things in their mind how they distribute their message everything to the even their gait how they walk i mean everything is unique to everybody and so they need to find what that is and what makes them authentic and glow in their own natural light and they need to distribute that. And when you are confident in that natural light, then you distribute only that natural, authentic version. And so sometimes that version can be hard to hear for some people. But nonetheless, the people that are on, on the opposite end, for example, for me, if I'm talking to somebody, they're on the opposite end. They hear something that they might not like to hear. They can 
they can still respect it because they know it's coming from an authentic place. And they know it's coming from something that's not trying to shame them, but just trying to make them identify with where they're messing up and where they could be because I see the potential in them. And maybe they don't see the potential in themselves. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Justin, I also wanted to talk to you about the concept of the intensity of the hustle, my friend, because I know that you're an entrepreneur and you own your own private gym and training facility out there in California. So I'm curious to get your perspective on what your definition is of the intensity of the hustle and what does it mean mean to you to have intensity as an entrepreneur? So I don't typically like hearing the word hustle, but I know what you mean by it, Kevin. The word hustle to me insinuates that you're highly, highly ambitious almost as if to get anything by any means necessary. And that's not who I am. I don't, I don't try to claw and not the bit to get anything and everything I can by any means necessary. I'm not that way. So I don't like that word hustle. I do like the word discipline and staying disciplined in my opinion is the altruistic way of being a hustler, staying disciplined and staying focused and doing everything you need to do to get doing, I'm sorry, doing everything that needs to get done that you know needs to get done because you know it's adding to your empire. It's adding to the trajectory of the life that you want to lead. So I would I would say staying disciplined, staying focused is my idea of being a hustler. But those things are very paramount to you developing your best self, developing the business that you want to create, developing the personal relationship that you want to have. Yeah, and going into the industry, the gym industry specifically, my friend, I'm curious, how do you think it's evolved since we've come out of the COVID-19 pandemic? That's a good question, Kevin. So I uh, obviously a lot more personal gyms are popping up, but it seems like you know, obviously one thing that mainly changed was that people stopped going to commercial gyms and they started making their own gym at home. And, you know, some people still kept that gym and they still train at their home gym, but most people are kind of starting to realize that, well, it's not so bad of an issue. It's not so much of an issue as we once thought the COVID pandemic. And, you know, they're, they're now reintroducing themselves or at least for the last better half of the year back into the commercial gym scene. But in terms of my practice, um, it hasn't really affected it at all. I, I'm, I think that more gyms have popped up as a result of people doing the home gym and then realizing, Hey, I'm, I'm, I can just easily become a personal trainer and then start my own brick and mortar and do this for a job, you know? So it may have high, the pandemic may have highlighted the fact that more people could do fitness for more people in a brick and mortar space because of the pandemic, making people train at home and do things from home and maybe also jeopardizing their income to some degree. So then people had to, you know, shuffle in terms of how they're going to make money. And that, that may be, again, been the impetus behind other small personal training spots opening up because they, the people at home realized I could train at home. I could train people from my home space. Shit, I could make this into a brick and mortar, you know? So maybe it, it, it created more of a, maybe it created more of, of a, of an impetus for more personal training studios like myself, but 
you know, I haven't really seen too much shift in my business, uh, however. Uh, fair enough. And I'm also, I've got a trio of questions left for you. And the first one has to do with the idea of your favorite or most memorable bodybuilding moments. Why do you love the profession so much? And what are, your, what are some of your favorite moments, my friend? So I would say... You know, being a, a bodybuilder, and I would I would clarify for your audience that I'm a natural bodybuilder, which means no steroids, drug free. I I competed in enhanced organizations or in organizations that had people that did do steroids, but that was never my path. That was never my avenue, and I have moral beliefs surrounding that. But uh, that's for a different topic uh, or rather different discussion. My some of my most memorable points in bodybuilding were. I'm obviously winning competitions, but apart from that, I would say there were some memorable moments that were also attributed to being somewhat negative, but they were the, they were the accelerators behind me becoming better. And I specifically remember one time where I'd been lifting for a couple of years, doing the whole eating thing and, you know, uh, structured meal plan and et cetera. And I remember after two years looking in the mirror and I had my shirt off. And I thought to myself, it doesn't even look like I lift. Like, I don't even look like I lift weights. And that was a pivotal moment for me because it was a frustrating and saddening and discouraging and cynical moment for me to go through because I, I work so hard and I continuously work hard. And yet it still looks like I don't have anything to show for it. And I'm just here to tell you, your audience, everybody that's listening you're going to do things for years on end in your life where it seems like you've been doing this for the last 20 years and it seems like nothing is culminating from it or nothing's happening from it. And you have a crossroads that you meet at that point. And the crossroads are keep going or go back to where you were. And I knew at that moment that looking at myself in the mirror, realizing all the work I put in, it didn't really even showcase a physical representation I realized that even though I was so discouraged and frustrated and want to stop, there was something in me that just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop because to stop would be to carve out a piece of who I was becoming and leave it on the table. And I wasn't okay with that. And so more people need to not be okay with that. More people need to just be okay with indulging in the, in the seemingly in the seemingly frustrating and discouraging and relentless and arduous process that is creating yourself, creating a body, creating a business, whatever the creation is, you have to do that in order to be something great. Yeah. And Justin, I'm going to combine my last two questions because they're interconnected. My friend, if I told you I was going to give you a million dollars to create the lasting commercial of your life. How do you think you would script the commercial? Or how would you want the commercial to come across? And just finally, how do you think you would want your personal and professional legacy to be defined, my friend? Well, I don't really know how to answer the first one. I would say that I would say that my commercial, I would, I would want my commercial to just highlight who I was 
and what my beliefs were, what my cares were for others. And, you know, I, I would say that I have this urgency to get out what God gave me, which is this ability to persuade people to be their best through the means of hardship. And that hardship can be, can look like a lot of different things, physical fitness and the, and the, and, and just the ultimate importance of eating healthy and treating your body with respect and doing it in the ways that I best distribute, which may look different than a lot of people that they've seen or, or rather uh, interacted with. I don't, I don't know that I have a, an, an exact answer for that question. I've never been asked that question before. And it's sort of hard to, it's sort of hard to, to glum up the, the answer regarding, but you know, the last part, I would want people to understand me for when I die, my legacy to be one of, I just gave, I just gave people an authentic version of what I was and that transmuted into what they could be. And, you know, really just, I left them being a better person in some way, in some fashion. And that what I leave behind, not mon not only monetarily, but what I leave behind in terms of the emotion or the feeling that people have when they hear my name, that's what means the most to me. And I might not operate that like that on, I may not operate like that every single day, but God knows that that's my heart. And God knows that that's what fills me up. And that's no, God knows that that's what fulfills me entirely. Being able to do those, being able to have that as a feeling for people when they hear my name or remember me. And then also being able to give back to my family in ways that, in more profound ways than they've given me. And when I say family, I mean my mom, my dad, you know, my, my family, being able to do things for them that they've never been able to do for me, but me doing it for them because it shows that I just want them to know that they created something that was great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just before I let you go, my friend, you said something I wanted to follow up with. And what do what you think it means to treat your body with respect? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so treating your body with respect means eating healthy, means exercising in a nutshell. So, you know, I know that it's it's easy to get off track with foods. I know it's easy to in, in, indulge yourself and 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 feed into those temptations. But having a having a willful self-restraint to yourself with regards to eating the wrong foods perpetually at least, and also doing something that makes you better in terms of your, 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 your movement. So that looks like physical fitness. That looks like, like I said, lifting weights. It looks like running. That looks like climbing, swimming, you know, treating your body with self-respect means inadvertently that you respect yourself and you're showing it in real time by doing the things that make you a better person, which is, moving and moving proficiently and moving avidly and then also 
eating well perpetually. Those are the things that mean you're, you, that you respect yourself. You respect the body that God gave you. A fabulous, my friend. And finally, tell me if people want to get connected with you, my friend. What's the best way they can do that? Sure. So right now, the best way to get hold of me is through my Instagram. And that's Justin Craig Groth. There's no, uh, there's no underscores or spaces in between that. It's just straight Justin Craig Groth. And you could DM me there. You could also visit my website, the official justingroth.com and send me, uh, send me a message on the contact page. But apart from that, that's about it. Go ahead and listen to Straight From The Chest on Spotify and Apple. Fantastic, my friend. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed spending a few minutes with you uh, talking about leveling up in life and in fitness, my friend. Your work in the uh, personal fitness and training space is most appreciated, my friend. And I want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me today. I appreciate your time, Kevin. Thanks so much, man.